You're listening to the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, episode 108. Hey guys, wow. Today's episode is literally going down in history as one of my favorite interviews that I have ever done to date. Today, I'm talking with Caroline Rose, who is the CEO of K Rose Company, Cattleman U, and The Rancher's Daughter, which collectively is an eight-figure business that she created on the rural internet. We dive into her story on how she decided to start her own business in agriculture and what the turning point was for her to gain traction and step into this great success. We have a super impactful conversation about women in ag and the role that they play, as well as what it means to be a good boss and an employee. There's so much we cover, so I won't waste any more time. Here is Caroline Rose. Hey, you're listening to the Branded Cowgirl podcast hosted by yours truly. My name is Sarah Elrod and I'm a serial entrepreneur through and through, but most importantly, I'm a wifey, a mama, and pretty much a crazy horse lady. I started this podcast based on an old saying my husband once told me, that every successful rancher has a wife that works in town. And being the stubborn, wannabe homesteading housewife that I am, I decided that why do I have to work in town in order to contribute? So I made it my mission to teach other rural women and entrepreneurs how to grow thriving brands online from way out yonder. Whether you live out in the middle of nowhere, have to take a dirt road to get there, or if you're just a mama who wants to stay home raising babies and cows someday, this is the place for you. On this show, we talk about marketing, social media, branding, content creation, Western lifestyle, and so much more. We believe that business does not have to be boring and that you can never own too many pairs of cowboy boots. So grab a coffee and your favorite notebook and let's saddle up and get to work. This is the Branded Cowgirl Podcast. Calling all photographers, do you struggle with coming up with content ideas throughout the year and knowing what to post every single day? Trust me, I get it, I've been there, and I have a solution. I've created a brand new resource just for you. It's an entire year's worth of content pre-planned out so you will not have to think about what to post for the entire year of 2023. Literally, I am not kidding. This resource is a calendar style resource that provides 12 months worth of content, what days to post, what days to take a break, prompts on what to post exactly, or just inspiration for ideas. It's the end all be all for your content for this year and I cannot wait for you to get your hands on this. Head to sarahelrod.com slash year of content or you can also go to the Sarah Elrod shop to find it as well. That's sarahelrod.com slash year of content or sarahelrod.com slash shop. I am so excited to have you on the show. I am a big fan of everything that you have going on. I feel like you do a lot of things. And I, in preparation for this, was diving deeper into your story and it just made me love you that much more. So I'm so excited to have you. If you don't mind, for those who are listening and don't um, know about you, know what you do, do you want to just maybe introduce yourself, tell a little bit about your story? Sure, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. So um, my name is Caroline Rose, and in present day, I run kind of three separate companies. So I run K Rose Company, which is an ag marketing agency. We have a team of about nine team members in K Rose, and we do mostly agriculture marketing in terms of production sales and supportive industry, so vet clinics, embryologists. And then we also have a piece of supporting rural America. So we do lots of websites and logos for town, our businesses in communities in rural America, which all of Montana is rural America where we're based. And then we own, I own Cattleman U, which is an educational platform for 
cattlemen and women, heavily focused on women. And I really think that we have to get women back involved in agriculture, that we are missing their creativity and femininity and all of that sitting at the business table. And then in my free time, I'm the co-owner of a retail business called The Rancher's Daughter, and we sell beef, lamb, chicken, pork, my family's beef, um, and other products in the town of Kalispell, Montana. So current day, that's kind of what life looks like. But if I go back a little bit, I've been involved in agriculture. It was my parents' income 100% growing up. And I went to Montana State University and got an animal science degree. And I wanted to be self-employed. And I was really worried about working for someone, which I've had some medical issues and we can dive into that if we want to. But um, so I was really nervous about working for someone. So I called my dad and I'll never forget. I told him I was not going to go to work for someone. And there was this long pause. And he said, "Um, you know, you have to work. Like not working is not a choice. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to work just not for someone else. And he's like, well, good luck. And he kind of took me under his wing. He's been self-employed for as long as I can remember. And he had me pick rock at the feedlot, I think just to make sure that I could eat. And um, the marketing business really took off. So it started with buying feeder calves, which I still do with my dad. We move about 30,000. And then these seed stock producers said, you know, we need a social media presence. We need a website. And so we really came alongside them. But it's been eight years. This spring will be eight years since I've been self-employed. And just, I just knew I couldn't clock in for someone. And it's been quite a journey to figure out and to be where I'm at today. But I think entrepreneurism is the best adventure I've been on. That's so awesome. I feel like we have a lot of parallels to our story, actually, because I feel like that was very similar to how I got started into entrepreneurship was like, I don't want to work for somebody else. Like, I didn't even have a desire to go to college. Like, I wanted to just go straight into working and like wanted to do my own thing. And yeah, same thing. My parents are like, ah, you have to like, you know, like, I don't know. Good luck. What are you going to do? So um, it's just crazy how I feel like you, it is something like you're embedded with, like born with, you know, it's, I don't think people usually become entrepreneurs later on in life. I think it's something you always have had ingrained in you. Like you just always want, want that um, for your life. So I, I love that about you. And um, first of all, you're in Montana and I know that there is some crazy cold weather heading your way. How are you feeling about all of that? <laughs> uh, it's pretty cold. So I'm up in Kalispell. This is where my fiance lives and we're getting married on New Year's Eve. So in just about oh a gosh. week and a half from when we're recording this podcast. And uh, so it's cold here. I think it was negative 36 this morning and we probably have about 10 inches of snow, but I keep checking in with my dad and my brother. They're in the central part of the state and it was supposed to get negative 54 with the wind chill. And my brother said, it's they're holding up okay. He's like, we're going to lose some calves in the background in lot just because I can't keep up with health. But um, I know pipes are frozen. I know my poor sister-in-law, she has two kids home, my niece and nephew. She didn't have any propane for about 24 hours. So oh. she said it's pretty miserable, but I think today's the last day. So hopefully we're on an upswing. And by the time the wedding comes, it's supposed to be like 70 degrees warmer than today. So oh. That's going to be super nice. That's so funny. So when I met my husband, he was actually living up in Montana. He lived up like very northeast, like near he lived in Hinsdale, which is mm -hmm. closest. to. Okay, you're familiar. Some people don't yep. know where that is. So 
Um, yeah, that's where he lived. So it was like crazy small up there, but he, he would tell me these stories about how there was one winter where it was so drastic. He said the low between the lowest temperature of the day and the highest, it was like a 90 degree difference. And I'm just like, what? That is so crazy. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's pretty insane. Um, well, I'm glad you guys are staying warm. Um, that's, yeah, that is just so interesting to me. And I know you said that you kind of had health issues within all of that. I don't know how deep you want to go with that. We, you can go as, as deep or as not deep as you want. Um, but that was another parallel that I picked up on with you was because I had a very similar experience growing up. I had a lot of health issues and I feel like that kind of motivated me to kind of get where I am. So do you, do you want to talk about Yeah, that? sure. Okay. I love talking about it. So um, my senior year in high school, I started to not feel well. And um, my relationship with my mother is very challenging. And so it made this period of time pretty challenging. And I could tell I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And they say eights on the Enneagram oftentimes will diagnose himself with cancer before the doctors like they can like feel every cell in their body. And at that time, I did not know, you know, that I was that in tune. But Today, 100%. That's so accurate. But uh, I could tell something was wrong. And I was running cross country and I just kept getting slower and I was working harder. And I was having really bad, like all these things, stomach pains, and we couldn't figure it out. And finally, um, you know, and mental health is this large conversation, but I did have a doctor say, well, I think you're just depressed. So I'm going to start you on antidepressants. And I was like, that's not it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what's going on is not depression. And it was really frustrating to feel like, here you go, this will solve it. And I was like, this is not it. And so December of my senior year, so this is 2009, I called my dad and I had been having like significant physical side effects. And I called my dad and I said, you need to come to basketball practice. I have no idea why I called him. Um, That's abnormal, right? I'm a senior in high school. I don't need my dad at basketball practice. (laughs) And he said, okay. And he showed up and I ended up collapsing on the basketball court that day. And they took me to urgent care. Um, Again, very challenging relationship with my mother. She did not think we needed to go to the emergency room. So we went to urgent care And the doctor at that time had said, I think sometimes adolescent girls have like swelling in their brain. And he was like, I think that might be it. And I was like, okay. So they sent me to a neurologist and we went up there and she recommended an MRI. And so I remember kind of the turn of events is um, the next day we went and got an MRI and on the way home, the doctors called and said, we saw something that we didn't expect. So you need to come back. So I came back for another MRI the next day. Before we even left Bozeman, they called again. And they're like, okay, we're seeing something that's very weird. We don't know exactly what we're seeing, but you need to go to Billings on Friday and have some dye injected in your leg and look at your heart. And so we're like, okay, this, and this is the weirdest part of the story to me. This was on a Wednesday. I went to school on Thursday. I went to basketball practice. Like nothing was wrong. Just hanging out. Um, And then on the way to Billings, I suffered a major stroke. And I, my parents were actually outside the vehicle changing a tire. And I called the neurologist on the phone and I said, I'm having a stroke. Um, And she said, okay, go straight to the Bozeman ER. And so we did. And a, a God thing, which God plays a huge role in this story is And I tease him about it now because he was still my doctor. He actually just recently left. But I think he was touring the facility. Legally, 
he was employed, but he had not started his first day. Right. Mm-hmm. And he came into the ER in street clothes and he asked my dad, can I look at your daughter? And my dad said, yep. <laughs> like, we don't yeah. know. They don't know. And he walked in and he diagnosed me in a heartbeat. He looked at my fingers and my toes and he said she has endocarditis of her mitral valve, which is a heart heart valve infection, and she needs open heart surgery, and I'm going to life flight her to Salt Lake. And so he called the life flight, and I got to Salt Lake, and they said um, that they weren't going to do open heart surgery because I was so plump. And for a long time, I was kind of offended by that. Oh, my and God. They said that with heart infections – Typically the way they find it is people have lost half their body weight and they can't like they're physically too weak to handle the antibiotics. And she was like, your body is so strong that I can do antibiotics and I do not have to replace your heart valve. And it was kind of a turning point in my relationship with my body when I realized that, which was years later, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To realize that my prayer to be skinny my whole life would have actually probably killed me. And God was saying, no, you, I'm not answering this prayer because I can see that you need all this muscle. You need the body size you're at to go through this. And so we did antibiotics um, and I cured my heart infection, took about six months. And then I was diagnosed with a clotting disorder, but that was all right before I went to college. And I really just like, it was such a pivotal time. And I tell people all the time, I'm so glad it happened to me. It changed a hundred percent of who I am. I'd probably be with my high school boyfriend in a trailer park with 19 kids by now. Um, (laughs) if this wouldn't have happened, but it really made me like be really one in tune to my body in tune to the time that I have and the value of time and understanding that I'm the only one in control of my destiny and what I want to do and the impact I want to make. Like I was given a second chance to do it and I need to do it. And so In college, I'm on blood thinners and in college, you're not supposed to drink. And so my blood would be like high and low and high and low because of course I'm in college and I'm going to the bar. And, uh, but it did make me really nervous about getting a full-time job because I was like, what if I don't feel good? What, you know, can I call in sick? I mean, all these crazy things. And I actually now, I mean, people can't even tell now. And I very rarely, I mean, occasionally I'll have a headache where I'll be like, I need to take an afternoon off. But, um, just, I mean, that's very normal, right? People have headaches. And yeah, so yeah. um, it, but it a hundred percent altered who I am and the way I view life and what I feel like my life mission is. And it's so interesting to look back and just kind of see all the chess pieces that were being moved and how they were perfectly being orchestrated. I mean, for that doctor to be in, you know, for me not to have to have surgery and all of these things. I mean, it was just a perfectly played out plan. Oh. That's so wild. Well, first off, thank you for being so honest and willing to share that. I know that's, I mean, so crazy. And there's just so many pieces to that. And I love seeing how it it has led you to be where you are today. Um, I just, I can't even imagine going through all of that, especially at that time in your life. That's already such a crazy, weird time is like getting close to graduation, you know, graduating high school. Like that's such a big life thing. And then to have this huge 
you know, medical thing happening. That's just so that's a lot. So, um, you know, good for you for trusting your body and knowing, you know, what, where you were headed with that and being able to tell doctors like this isn't it. Um, so I, I highly, highly praise you for that. Um, and that's, I, I think that's so important what you said about valuing your time, because that was very similar to me too. It's just, I don't want to spend the rest of my life being told what to do <laughs> and, and when I can do things and not do things and take a vacation and, and go, you know, spend time with family. I mean, we just had a baby and I can't imagine already sending him to daycare. I mean, I, I talked to my friends that have, you know, like full-time normal jobs. And, you know, by the time their baby's three months old, they're sending them off to go have somebody else watch them all day. And I can't even imagine doing that. Like that just like, I could never. Um, and so I I'm right there with you. I think that's, it's, it's such a, such a desire, deep desire to want to have control of your own time. Um, so good for you for that. Um, so let's go a little bit deeper into the actual businesses that you have, because I think they're super interesting and you've really found such a cool niche, in my opinion, on like all that you're doing and how one has kind of started the other. And there's almost like a domino effect. I really love that. So K-Rose was your first uh, business, correct? Yeah. So K-Rose started really as I thought I was going to buy cattle full time. Mm -hmm. And I had a customer approach me. I'm actually Jim Sitz from Sitz Angus approach me and say, can you help us with our marketing? Do you know this Facebook world? And I said, I mean, yeah, I didn't really. Right. Now looking back, I knew nothing, but he definitely took a risk on me. And, um, and so those went really hand in hand, right? Cause I'm buying feeder calves from commercial cattlemen who are buying bulls. And I'm hearing from the commercial cattlemen about why they're buying bulls, what marketing's working. I mean, so much so that one of our biggest calf customers said, I was going to buy bulls at this place, but they didn't even send me a catalog this year. So he, he bought a $10,000 bull the year before. So he went somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if our only touch point, you know, is a cattle, I mean, I was like, there's so many things wrong in this world. And, and so it started out procuring cattle and then it really turned into production sale marketing and doing Facebook and website and all, I mean, kind of the one-stop shop. And that's what we've claimed to be for years. I know now tons of ag companies use that, mm -hmm. um, but we really wanted to be like, you come to us and we're going to be your one phone call versus calling the printer and the catalog designer and the photographer and the videographer, like use those calls to sell bulls. Call me, we'll handle it for you. And then what I realized is there was a lot of spouses or children who had supporting businesses that needed some help marketing. And mm -hmm. I really got passionate about teaching marketing on top of our doing, you know, for you services is because one of my competitors, I got an email from them forwarded from a customer and it recommended that they hit the boost post button on Facebook ads. And I remember just being so sad for my customer who got that email because I was like, that is a complete waste of money. Like the boost post button is not a good decision. Yeah. And I was like, if marketing companies are telling people to do marketing wrong so that they end up having to hire them, I was like, what a disservice. These small businesses, I mean, they have like $1,000, right? To spend yeah. on marketing, 500. And then they're getting bad information. And so that really hurt my heart. And I was like, 
even if people don't hire us, the information they get about marketing is going to be proven and accurate. And we're going to do it first before we ever teach anyone. And we're going to talk about here are all the options. Here's why we recommend what we recommend. You know, here's why we don't recommend. And so we do lots of teaching. I do lots of classes and consulting because I just, I know that as a small business owner, that money is really finite and it's hard to invest in marketing and invest in something that doesn't work. And so I wanted to go before them and to teach them what works. And so K Rose is still the biggest business. It has the most employees, the most team members. Um, and then Cattleman U kind of formed from what I felt what was missing in K Rose. Um, it happened during the pandemic and it actually started off with a target audience of my brother. And I remember thinking, you know, he's not listening to podcasts, right? He's working and he's working seven days a week, 15 hour days. And the moment he came back home to the operation, my dad left and started going to conferences. And I was like, we cannot afford for this to be 30 more years until we implement change. And I was like, we have to somehow get him to get the knowledge and the information and all of the options while he's in the tractor, while he's driving the semi and in his limited amount of free time, we have to make this worthwhile. And so that's how Cattleman You started is it was a virtual conference per se that every single month was a different topic. And we have speakers on the topic, multiple seven to 15 a month, and people can just listen and take home what they needed. And then so that was about a year and a half. And then I went to a conference and they said to ask the people closest to you what your secret sauce is. And I asked my fiance and he completely misunderstood the question. And he said, well, you're Alfredo sauce. And I was like, not the sauce that I make. I love that. I, <laughs> I mean, like, what is my game changer? In life? <laughs> yeah. The so, Alfredo sauce. Yeah. <laughs> So I asked my dad and my brother and I said, you know, what, what makes me valuable on the family operation? And without saying you're the fact that you're a girl, that's what they were saying, right? Is they were saying your femininity, your creativity, the way you think about things, your sensitivity, the way you move slower and you think different. I mean, all of that. Yeah. And so I got to thinking, do women know that? Do women yeah. know that? their femininity and creativity and sensitivity is what is needed in operations. And it just was this light bulb moment for me. I said, we, the reason I think that farms and ranches don't go to the next generation is because we have removed that. Mm. The farms that seem to have the best bottom line is they have creativity injected in them in some capacity, right? And the mm -hmm. easiest example is farm to table. How many farm to table conversations started by the wife, the mother, the daughter, um, you know, the granddaughter, some conversation like that. I was like, we just have to think a little bit different. And so then we started on this mission of, we got to get women sitting at that business table. And the one thing that has been really interesting in how Cattleman U works is we always say that we don't want women to be confined to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And we get some pushback on that because women will say, well, I want to be in the kitchen. And we're like, no, 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 that's not what we mean. Mm -hmm. We mean, we don't want you told to only be in the kitchen. 
Mm. Like your creativity is needed at the business table. Mm. If your role is providing food and childcare and all of that, great. Yeah. But don't let someone tell you that because you're a woman, you don't belong at the table. And yeah. that's what we really want to highlight and we really want to focus on. And so Cattlemen Use is still the same thing. We do monthly education. Um, and then actually in May, we're doing ra- uh, ranch camp is what we're calling it. Yes. And it's a hands-on learning experience held at our backgrounding lot. And we are going to practice the actual things like running the shoot, vaccinating cattle, putting in ear tags, branding cattle, sorting, all of that, doctoring without the pressure of we have to get in for Christmas dinner, without Mm. the pressure of our fathers or our husbands or our brothers saying, don't miss, we got to hurry, we're in a rush, we got to get these cattle processed. And so it's this hands-on camp for women only to build confidence, build skills, and also show them that they belong out there in the processing shed, that they can and are capable to do it. And we're going to do it as many times as it takes for women to feel comfortable and confident to run that squeeze shoot and to do it like it doesn't matter if it takes you a hundred times to feel like you got it nailed we're gonna do that and so we not only have the online education piece but we have the in-person conference which we're really thrilled about there's a limit I mean it's a small group of people we have a female vet who's going to be joining us and we have the facilities and so we are just going to do it until Everyone there leaves confident to sort cattle, to run gates, to run the scale, to do all of the things. Um, so we're very thrilled about that. And then what I realized is I wanted to increase the income of our operation. And I decided to open a retail store with my operations manager of K-Rose named Grayson. And we not only sell our meat, but we contract with farmers, ranchers, and makers, and we remove the middleman. And so we sell their products in our store, um, and they get a percentage back of the sales. They set their own prices. They supply the products. And we wanted to inject money back into the community of farmers, ranchers, and makers and help increase their livelihood. And so we opened the Farm to Table store in October. Gosh, that is, you have so many like cool things happening. I like don't even know where to start. First, I love your mission behind everything of just the channeling into women's femininity. I love that. And I love that you're saying there's more to you than just being in the kitchen. Um, But I think overall, especially in this industry, it's so... And I don't know, I guess maybe with the way like modern feminism is where it's like, you know, everybody needs to be equal and we have to do the same things and all this stuff. But I think the fact that you're channeling into, okay, men and women are different and you as a woman bring different things to the table. We don't have to have the same exact qualities to still bring value and to to be a important aspect of that. And I think that's so important in today's culture with just the way that things are is you don't have to change. You don't have to be a man like you as a woman have so many special things that you bring and just just having that creativity that men don't have. I mean, there's so many things that are natural to women that aren't to men. And and I think that, like you said, that's really important um, and can bring so much value to business. Um, so I, I absolutely love your mission behind all of that. 
And the Cattleman U, just everything you have going on. Um, I totally was like stalking the website and all the things. And this uh, ranch camp, I am trying so hard to see how I can be there because I love it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, as soon as I saw this, I was like, I need to be there. I need to do this. Um, it, it looks like such a I've never seen anything like it before. You know, I've never seen anybody do something where you are training all the things that, you know, just daily ranch life, you know, that that women maybe don't know or that people are first generation and they want to learn and they want to get into this industry. I think it's so important because it can be intimidating going into something like that. And you're like, I have no idea how any of this works. So to create that space that's like not judgmental, like you said, we'll do it a hundred times if that's what you need to feel confident. I love that. I think that's so, so important. And, and, you know, like I said, in this, in this culture and in this industry, it's, it's hard. I feel like it's hard getting into it and it's getting more popular. I think a lot of people want to do this and want to be a part of this industry, but they just, they don't even know where to start and they don't know how to learn. And so the fact that you're providing all these different resources, whether it be in person, online, anything. I think that's just, that's really awesome. So um, I, I love that. And I would definitely encourage anybody that is wanting to do that to check it out because it's, I think it's a really great thing that you got going on. Um, So overall, I saw something that absolutely shocked me, but you had mentioned that I think altogether you've created basically an eight figure business. Um, And that like, blew my mind. I was like sitting there doing the math. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is so wild to me. Um, And I think a lot of people listening, obviously a lot of my listeners are rural women that have businesses, small businesses, whatever that might be. And that is such a huge accomplishment. So congratulations on that. I mean, that's crazy to build something from nothing to to eight figures. I mean, I think for a lot of people, six figures is a huge accomplishment and a huge goal for a lot of people to hit that point. So I mean, what, I don't know how, again, deep you want to get into stuff like that and, and how personal that is to you, but I would just love to know, like, what was the turning point in your career? Where did it kind of take off for you? Yeah. So I want to say something, one thing about Ranch Camp that you'll find really funny. So when I pitched the idea to my dad and my brother, right? Cause I have to rent the ranch. Uh-huh. Um, my brother said, I said, okay, we're going to run these cattle. Like I need 20 head that we can just run through the shoe. We can vaccinate like we, all the things. Yeah. And my brother's like, well, one of them might get injured. And then he stopped for a moment and he said, oh, that's exactly why we're doing this. Yeah. Is because every other brother is saying, I can't let you practice because it's hard on the cattle. We don't have time to practice. It's a risk. And he was like, he like paused for a minute and he said, oh, I get it now. Everyone else is having this exact conversation of like, oh, you missed one. Let me run it. And he was like, at what point do we stop saying that and say, we just got to learn until you feel comfortable because you need to know every position and see, you know, is the shoot in the right spot compared to the fridge? Like my brother's like, I don't think about that stuff. Like, that's something you would think about. And it just was really interesting. He had this moment where he just said, you know, he paused and he's like, oh, we're doing this because every other dad brother is saying this exact same thing and no one's giving them a chance. And so I just loved that because it was like light bulb went off for him and he was like, oh, we really have to do this. And then he even said, can we do one a horseback? Like he started to just stream with me and he was like, we're going to do this. Like people are going to love it. They're going to feel so confident. And so, yeah. um, 
what you said though is accurate. I mean, it's just, it's such a hard experience. Um, and to replicate, and we have the perfect facility and we have cattle around and we love community. We think women need more community. And even me, right? We run a backgrounding lot of a couple thousand head and I run a, a hundred mother cows. I don't run the shoot because guess what? I'm bringing them up the alley. Like that's my designated job. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm going to learn alongside all of you. Like I know how to run the bud box, but usually that's not my job. Yeah. And I don't get a lot of practice because that's my dad's job. I mean, yep. it's like we have all these roles and so everyone's going to learn something, but um, okay. Talking about eight figures. So it's amazing because what they consider, you know, being multi-figured is a bunch of different things. Right. So yeah. when, when we talk about that, that's like the commute cumulation, whatever that word is of all yeah. the incomes of all the businesses right over the yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah. so I think what really switched it for me is realizing what work actually was. Mm -hmm. And when I first started my business, I mean, I remember the very first year in my business, I made $65,000 mm -hmm. and I was like, holy cow. And I probably spent 85,000. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and uh, so I just remember thinking, wow, like people are paying me for, you know, things, yeah. but I didn't actually know what work was. And I spent a lot of time thinking I was working and actually not working. Mm. And, and so to me, when I really learned what that was, like, what are the things that only Caroline Rose can do? Yeah. The moment I realized that is really where the business shifted. And I started to build some momentum and I started to, you know, figure out exactly what I can do versus what I can hire and what the team does and the aspects that they bring. Um, and the thing is, is it's been eight years and I still probably work seven days a week. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I was like, I want time freedom, but I'm also going to hustle until hustle, you know, is impossible. Like I, until I can't hustle anymore. And I think sometimes, we see the time freedom of employer, like people like me, right? Eight years in, I'm going to take a whole week off without my cell phone for a honeymoon. We see that and we're like, that's why I want to be self-employed. And I'm like, but what you don't see is the 15, 16 hour days, seven days a week for years and how I work to get to that. And so I think really just understanding like what is deep work? What is the stuff that I can only do? You know, obviously what's making money, what's not making money. And then the other thing that we did that was a game changer. We um, implemented it in 20, end of 2018, beginning of 2019 is the entrepreneurial operating system called EOS where we have different departments. Um, and so we have an operations department and there's a lead in that. We have a marketing department, there's a lead in that. And then we have office and support and there's a lead in that. And really saying, I can't be where the buck stops. Like operations, you have to run without me. Marketing, you have to run without me. I'm the visionary. I need to be thinking. I need to be growing. I need to be planning and giving them responsibility and accountability and saying, you're in charge. Like, you don't need me. I hired you for a reason. You're intelligent. You're wise. Go and run and do your job really, really well. And the moment I took that accountability and gave it and let them have control, as an eight on the Enneagram, that's very hard. Yep. Um, and I said, update me. 
instead of me being in the loop, I need to trust you to do your job. And the moment I was able to let go of some of that, the business just took off. And because they feel responsible, right? They feel accountable. They feel pride in serving customers well in operations and in marketing, right? They feel responsible for the social media growth of Kettleman U or of K-Rose Company and how many leads and all of this. And I gave them responsibility and I gave them freedom to try things and to fail and to get back up. And I was like, I can do me things and Mm. I can't do it all. And I shouldn't do it all. And, you know, I have incredible team members. I mean, on all facets of the business, I have the world's best team members and they, you know, they want to serve the customers as much as I want them to serve the customers. And so that has really helped, but implementing that system, setting goals every quarter, getting people to all be aiming for the same thing, um, has really been a game changer. I feel like that's so important to note is like, because I think that's a lot of people are, they don't realize that in order to grow, you have to let go is kind of a phrase I've always heard too, is you have to be willing to let go of some of that, I guess, ownership, if that's the right word, and and hand it off to other people and figure out what you're good at and you do the things that you're good at as the CEO but then pass off the things that you don't want to be spending your time on and things that aren't your, your, you know, thing you're good at. I'm trying to think of like the word I'm thinking of, but, um, you know, and I, I think that's a huge thing because so many of us, when we start a business, it's our baby. We want to do everything. We want it to be all ours. And at some point or another, and in the beginning, you know, most people are on a budget. You're trying to get scrappy with things. But as you grow, it's so important to be able to say, okay, I need to pass something off because I am no longer, like I need more time to be the visionary and to come up with the next thing that we're going to do. And somebody else can run the social media or do the marketing or answer emails or whatever that might look like. You don't need to be in all the day-to-day mundane tasks. And so I think that's a really valuable lesson that you're bringing up is just be willing to, when you get to that point where you can let go of something it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, and to be able to let go enough to where you are giving these people like your trust, you're saying, okay, you are good at this thing. I give you that sense of ownership and, and to find those employees that love your company as much as you do. Um, it's not just another job to them. Like they want, they want your business to grow just as much as you do. And I think that's really important in growing a team. So, um, that that's really awesome to know that that's, something you've been able to do and, and you have such a big team now, is there, I mean, do you have any tips for maybe people that are in the process of starting a team, like how you manage all of that? Was it scary to you when you hired your first employee? Was that like wild to you? Terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Terrifying. Um, so a few things that we do, like we're in the process of adding another team member right now. And um, we do a lot of interviews, an annoying amount of interviews, um, five or six interviews in order to come on board. Um, We do a paid project. So I give them a project with minimal, minimal direction. And I just want to see what questions do they ask? How well do they do it? Um, The thing to me that I, we've really had to make clear and it has scared some people off. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Is we know what can get done at home in 40 weeks because you're working remote for me. 
when we worked remote before COVID, does not mean you get to change the laundry five times, does not mean you get to go and have a facial during the day. Like I know what can get done in 40 hours. If you yeah. can get done in in 30 hours, what I expect in 40, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But don't don't think you can pull the wool over someone's eyes and right only, I mean, work. You, you have to really grind. The other thing is I try to give my team part of the success. So every quarter we have bonus opportunities. We do commission. We, I mean, really try to tie in and let them feel some of that. If they want to work a little bit extra, they get some reward for that. Um, of course, I would say a majority of the K-Rose team currently is believers. And so we had a team meeting this morning and I said like, you know, isn't it ironic that Jesus knew so many years ago that we needed Christmas on the calendar because we live and die by our calendar now. And I said, it's not just one day. This is a massive event that is happening this weekend. You need to remember that this is what Christmas is about. Don't let Sunday come and go and just be like, oh, back to work. I said, slow down, get some stillness, really think about the reason for the season. And having the ability to let team members do that and to really keep our eye on serving people and that our work really matters. You know, we had a family, um, a customer who he lost his life to cancer. But when we were before he lost his life, I would say to the team, because we market their wholesale well, he's able to go and get better treatment. Like it is much bigger than selling some bulls. It allows them to, you know, go outside of Montana and get better treatment. Like we like to look at the big picture and say like, how are we impacting? How are we changing the industry? How are we changing people's lives? The other thing to be honest is you just, I have a gut feeling about good employees and I've been wrong. Um, But I feel like if I treat employees like they would want to be treated and if I do the best and I you know, tell them when they're doing a great job and we correct when they're not. And I let them fail and I let them stand back up and I listen to their ideas and I let them vote. And, you know, if they need to leave early a couple hours because they're driving home for Christmas, like I'm not going to dock their pay. I mean, we're human, right? Yeah. And letting them do some things like that. I mean, we, we're just really lucky. We have an incredible team and it always, it's really humbling to me that people want to be a part of my dream and people mm-hmm. want to work and serve people um, under my name. I mean, that's something I don't take lightly. I also take a lot of pride in ownership and, you know, supplying income. Um, our team right now is all women. So giving that their, their households extra income, uh, whether that be the, you know, girls at the store that just work 10 hours a week or the full-time employees. Um, and, I think there's a lot of really good employees out there. One trend that I see right now that is really discouraging for me on TikTok is I see a lot of employees say, oh, well, I wanted a little bit more money. So I just applied for a job and I just quit my past job. And I'm like, we, it's a two-way street, right? If an employee comes to me and says, X, Y, and Z, you know, I need more money or we need health insurance or whatever their situation. I'm like, great, let's work on it. Let's figure out a way. Let's figure out a solution. You're valuable to me. And I feel like we have a culture right now that's like, ah, my boss said something I don't like. I'm like, no, it's like a two-way street. Like I can only serve you to the best of the ability. And it's funny because people are always like, well, you never, you know, make 
the only way you can make good money is if you switch jobs. And I'm like, no, no, no. You have to have a conversation first. If you don't want to have a conversation with your boss, to me, that's a little bigger red flag. But like, I want my employees to feel secure in knowing that I will flex with them. Like we have a team member right now, and I don't know if she'll listen to this podcast, but she's expecting a baby. And um, like, we have literally said, we know you don't know what it's going to look like. We want to flex with you. If it feels like after your maternity leave that it's 10 hours a week, we're on board. If it's 40 hours a week, we're on board. If it's somewhere in between, we're on board. Like we, we want you and we want to flex with what flex needs to happen to fit your life. It's okay that you don't know. We have to have some type of game plan just because we need to fill that other role, but it's fine. If you call and say, this isn't working, I need 10 hours a week, or I only want to work one day or two, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you tell me, we'll flex with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that in this culture, we have forgotten that it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes forget that bosses are human, right? Yes. I mean, we're doing the best we can, but like I'm 30 years old. I'm not 60. I've yeah. probably never run into this before. I, you know, say something and we'll support you. And But there's a lot of really great employees. We have tons of great people apply for every job. I'm like, oh, we just want to hire them all. Uh, I always hire before I'm ready. It always makes me sick to my stomach. I'm going to write a job offer today or a offer letter. Makes me sick to my stomach every time. I'm like, okay, how are we going to fit this position in? How are they going to bring in income? And it's amazing what good people who are chasing after the same thing can do. And you got to hire slow and you got to fire quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment you get a red, red flag, you got to let them go. And, and you got to have hard conversations and you got to realize people are human. Um, but you also have to hold an expectation because, you know, total our team's about 15. And if I let one person slide below the bar, the rest of them at the bar, are like what's Sally doing down there? Yep. And they all take one step down. Yeah. And so you got to hold people to a bar. And if it doesn't work, uh, we got to change some things. If they can't show up like they said they would, we got to change some things. But you got to hire slow and fire fast. Oof. I feel like I wasn't really sure where this all was going to go. But like, I'm so happy we're having this conversation because I've never had this conversation with somebody on this show before. So I think this is really cool. Um you sound like such a great CEO too. And I feel like more people need to take on this mindset that you have and as well as the employees because you brought up that TikTok trend. And I want—I think it's called like, I don't know, pre-quitting or something like that where like these people and and me and my husband have talked about it before too, where it's like he, he works for company, but he's superintendent of that company. And so he's been hiring and firing people as well. And he's kind of been put in this position position of like finding people for the company. And it's like insane, the amount of people that don't want to work or feel entitled to things that they have not earned. And that has kind of blown my mind with this TikTok trend of people saying like, well, you're getting paid this much and these things are in your job description. So don't even think about doing anything extra. Don't go above and beyond. You do exactly what your job description says. And sure, like you could do that. But if you want to grow and get raises and get bonuses and make more money and make an impression on your boss... (laughs) Doing the bare minimum is not going to get you there. You know, you have to be willing to go above and beyond and do things that are not in your pay, you know, bracket necessarily at that point in time, but 
that doesn't mean your boss won't notice and be like, okay, like here's a bonus. Here's, you know, a raise because I see that you've been going above and beyond. So it just, it's such a wild concept to me that these people are like, oh, well, I don't get paid enough to, to do this one extra thing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I actually had an ex-employee one time say that taking out the trash wasn't in her job description. We had an office at the time and quite a learning experience for me because I was like, who do you think takes out the trash most of the time? Me. Yeah. It's not in our job description. We're just acting as a unit. The trash needs out. We're going to take it to the curb. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I do think there's a lot of undervalued employees. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of employees who are getting away with things that they probably shouldn't get away with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, you know, that there's, it's like all spectrums. But to me, I'm like, we're a team. Mm-hmm. And I can only serve you when I know that you need something different mm-hmm. and you need this and you, you know, this support, like I, I cannot read your mind. And to be honest, right. I'm worried about end of the year taxes and payroll and a f- unemployment audit. I have due on Christmas Eve. I mean, like sometimes you just get caught up and I, like I said, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. And so I'm not as in tune to people's emotions. So I like really had to hire leaders who would come and say, this person's struggling. And I'm like, great. I would never have noticed that. Can we help yeah, them? What can we do? Me. How can we, <laughs> yeah. How can we support them? And yeah, to me, it's just one, you got to learn about your employees. Money, to be honest, is not motivating for everyone. Yeah. And some people will say, no, I wanted more vacation time, or I really want these pair of boots, but I don't want the money because it goes into a family account and then I'll feel guilty. You know, I'm like, great, let me buy you the boots. Yeah. Like if that's the bonus, I'll do that, you know, and figuring out what works for each person and how to talk to people. We make everyone do the Enneagram. Um, And just, it's like a two way street. I mean, like I said, I'm really blessed with really great employees. Now I've had employee nightmares in the past. I was probably a nightmare of a boss. I take most of the responsibility Uh, phrase. I say a lot in the business is uh, if this doesn't sound right, it probably isn't because I have no idea what I'm doing. So yeah. If this is unattainable, if this goal is too high or too low, uh, if we need to put more effort here, I expect you to say something because I'm 30. Yeah. And yeah. I've never led the eighth year of a company before. This yeah. is the first time. So please tell me, let's work together. Let's do it together. And, you know, just there's really great people out there who want jobs. And I always say, especially in today's economy, I'm like, it's a good thing I'm not an hourly worker. I probably have five jobs right now. I'd be like racking it in. I'd be like working until I was blue in the face. And there's so much opportunity to work and to change lives. And my best policy, I tell my employees this all the time. They'll ask because we have a non-compete, of course. And I'll Mm. say, if it feels funny, we need to have a conversation. If Mm. it doesn't feel funny, do it. If it feels funny, let's chat. I'm happy to chat. I'm a cheer, like, I want to cheer you on. I want you to be able to push your potential. I know I'm a stepping stone. And so if it feels funny, anything feels funny. We need to have a conversation and just admitting that I'm not perfect. I have a lot to learn. And, you know, it's kind of the blind leading the blind. I tell them I like, I've never owned a retail store. Um, the, the girl who fills the manager role at the retail store, she said something the other day and I looked at the Grayson, who's the co-owner and I was like, 
it's a blind leading the blind here. How would you like to handle this? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We've never owned a retail store before. So it's, you know, there's really great employees. And the one thing that I think women oftentimes feel bad about is hiring help. Like we have a housekeeper. I could yeah. not, you know, I'm not going to be cleaning the house. And I don't mean that in like a conceited way. Yeah. I just mean I work until Sean gets home. Yep. I'm on the road five days a week, usually. Yep. Like the last thing I want to be doing is cleaning the bathroom. And it's really fun for me to pay her because she's feeding her family doing that. And yeah. I'm like, I get to distribute some of this hard-earned money to yeah. other people who are going to take it into the community. And I mean, what more yes. of a gift? But like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a design. You don't have to hire like a designer or a social media manager. Hire someone to clean your house. Yeah. Hire someone to bring in some food a couple of days a week. Yeah. Do grocery pickup. Like just be, think about all the things that you like or dislike doing. How can you be more efficient? Yeah. And time's the true currency. Yep. Oh, that's so good. That's so true too. It, I mean, and probably a lot of people don't think about that. They think, oh, I have to, you know, hire somebody in my business to help. Not necessarily always. I mean, if you love doing certain, you know, everything in your business, then yeah, hire people on the personal side of things. So you have more time to do the business side of things. Um, that's, that's really important too. I love, <laughs> I love that you, and, and, and your heart behind it, I think is just really great too, that you're, you're putting food on her table and you're, you're such a good steward, I think with your money. And that, that just sounds like a really great thing. And, and the fact that you're willing to have these open conversations with your employees and, um, it, it is like a two-way street of you tell me when you have a problem and I'll tell you when I have a problem and, and good communication is key for everybody. So, um, that's, that's really awesome. And, and I love to hear that from, from you and, and clearly it's working because you, you have built these great businesses and, and it does sound like you have a really awesome team behind you. So. Um, I love that. Um, I would like to wrap things up with a couple questions, just kind of rapid fire, but um, this is something new because this is my first interview for the new year that I'm going to be doing. So I'm trying to just incorporate these like fun little random things at the end. And so first I have two questions for you. So the first one is a little bit deeper, but uh, how would you like people to remember you at the end of your life when things are said and done, what, what do you want to be most remembered for? I think showing up and, mm -hmm. um, like being there, I am very busy and I try to always, you know, whether it be my friends or my niece and nephew, like I'm going to be there. We're going to do things together. I'm going to be very present with you. Um, and so I hope people remember that I showed up and that I was there when it really mattered because I don't think anything is better than spending time together. Mm, I love that. That's really great. And then the second question is super random and <laughs> funny, but what is the last thing that you Googled? Oh, the last thing I Googled? Well, um, I was looking up crockpot recipes <laughs> this morning <laughs> because I do grocery pickup, which is like the world's best thing. Uh -huh. And we, I work the store on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And so, and I work at the store tonight and I was like, man, I need to get some crockpot recipes. It's miserably cold. Um, and we're getting married in a week. So I Googled crockpot recipes and then I put them in my cart and I hit order. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's so great. Oh my gosh. Well, 
Caroline, I would love for you to share where people can find you, come learn more from you, be a part of things with Cattleman U, K-Rose Company, whatever piques their interest. How how do people find you online? Yeah, so we are on all the platforms, right? So Facebook and Instagram for all three companies. So K-Rose Company, Cattleman U, and The Rancher's Daughter. And then in 2023, I'm launching a personal brand. Um, I'm going to be under my married name. Um, so Caroline Rose Bohannon where we're going to talk about like goal setting, opening a retail store, um, kind of like building a business, some more of the personal aspects of things. Um, I'm personally on TikTok. I talk a lot about marketing cattle, buying cattle, having a little beef retail store. Um, and then of course we have websites for all three of the businesses and for coming soon. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for being willing to talk and share so many things about your business. My son's really excited about it as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. And I loved that he was in the screen on the interview. I think juggling and being a mom, I'm not a mom yet, but there's literally no more important role than raising kids. And I think we have a lot of opportunity to do things different and to fill some gaps in the world with the way we raise our kids. So kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a that's been a learning curve for me for sure. And I for a while was trying so hard to like ignore like try to make him quiet and like not, you know, he's not there, he's not there. And I was so embarrassed having to bring him on. And I'm like, this is my life now. Like if I'm gonna do this. He's going to be here and he's going to be noisy and you might hear him in the background and it is what it is. So. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you again so, so much. I'm so excited for this to air so people can listen to it. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've just finished another episode of the Branded Cowgirl podcast. And if that doesn't make you happier than a rooster on Sunday, then I don't know what will. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Branded Cowgirl podcast and TikTok. Also join the exclusive Facebook group just for listeners. You can find it by searching Branded Cowgirl Podcast Insiders or head to the link in the show notes. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. It means the absolute world to me to read your kind words, but it also helps other amazing rural women find the show as well. If you would like to sponsor an episode or advertise on the Branded Cowgirl Podcast, then please head to sarahelrod.com slash sponsor BCP for more information. Thanks again for being here and I'll talk to you in the next one.